Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to Intel Corporation's first quarter 2022 conference earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press the start and the one key on your touchdown telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to your speaker host, Tony Bailo, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Welcome to Intel's first quarter earnings conference call. By now, you should have received a copy of our earnings release and the earnings presentation. If you've not received both documents, they are available on our investor website, intc.com. The earnings presentation is also available in the webcast window for those joining us online. I'm joined today by our CEO, Pat Gelsinger, and our CFO, Dave Zinsner. In a moment, we'll have brief remarks from both of them, followed by Q&A. Before we begin, let me remind everyone that today's discussion contains forward-looking statements based on the environment as we currently see it, and as such, it does include risks and uncertainties. Please refer to our press release for more information on the specific risk factors that could cause actual results to differ materially. A brief reminder that this quarter we have provided both GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures. Today we'll be speaking to the non-GAAP financial measures when describing our consolidated results. The earnings presentation and earnings release available on intc.com include both the full GAAP and non-GAAP reconciliations. With that, let me hand it over to Pat. Thank you, Tony, and thank you for joining us today. Q1 was another solid quarter where we beat on the top line, exceeded our guidance on gross margin and EPS, and where we continued to execute on our long-term growth strategy to unlock a trillion-dollar market opportunity. As we laid out at a recent investor day, our strategy is built around four key pillars. We will deliver leadership products anchored on open and secure platforms, powered by at-scale manufacturing, and supercharged by our people. In Q1, we made great progress in all of these areas, and we are continuing to hold our full-year revenue outlook. In our data center and AI group, we began shifting initial SKUs of Sapphire Rapids to select customers as planned. We also unveiled our expanded dual-track Xeon roadmap that strengthens our position in both per-core performance and performance per watt for cloud and enterprise workloads. We launched our ARC A-series GPUs for laptops, taking our first steps to give the graphics industry a much-needed new addition. Mobileye demonstrated its Level 4 self-driving system in Jerusalem, a major milestone in preparation for its upcoming robo-taxi services. We continue to add to our talent with strong industry leaders like Christoph Schell, who recently joined us from HP as our Chief Commercial Officer. And finally, we took another major step in creating a balanced semiconductor supply chain with the announcement of our plans for new investments in Europe. We also held the grand opening of our latest leading-edge factory in Oregon, including a new name for the campus, the Gordon Moore Park at Ron Rakers which recognizes our founder and the site's unique contribution to driving Moore's Law. Q1 also marked a special moment for Intel as we announced our plans to further reduce our greenhouse gas emissions and develop more sustainable technology solutions, including using 100% renewable energy across our global operations by 2030 and achieving net zero greenhouse gas emissions in our global operations by 2040. Overall, Q1 was a great start to the year as we continue to execute on the path to our long-term growth story. We still have a lot of work to do, but we are executing at a toward pace, and I remain confident in our path forward. Before I get into specific updates for each of our business units, let me start with some observations of what we are seeing in the industry. I continue to believe we are just at the beginning of a long-term growth cycle across semiconductors. We continue to see some match-set limitations in areas like Ethernet, some softening in low-end consumer PC, and some inventory adjustments, as we discussed in our last call. But overall, the demand signals from customers continue to be robust in areas like enterprise, cloud, AI, graphics, and networking. Semiconductors are the fuel of innovation and transformation across a wide range of industries. In the supply chain, lockdowns in Shanghai and the war in Ukraine have demonstrated more than ever that the world needs more resilient and more geographically balanced semiconductor manufacturing. The chip shortage cost the U.S. economy $240 billion last year, and we expect the industry will continue to see challenges until at least 2024 in areas like foundry capacity and tool availability. 
As an IDM, we believe we are in a good position in the industry to manage through these constraints. In fact, Intel is rising to meet this challenge. Following our announcements in Arizona, New Mexico, and Ohio, we recently announced a series of investments in Europe spanning our existing operations as well as our new investments in France and Germany, the Silicon Junction. These investments position Intel to meet the future growth and represent a significant step toward our moonshot goal of having half the world's semiconductor manufacturing located in the U.S. and Europe. The pace at which we can reach this goal is dependent on the actions of the U.S. and other governments. America showed leadership when Congress passed the CHIPS Act, but the global situation has grown even more serious since then. The EU has been very aggressive in moving legislation forward to meet this challenge, and I recently testified before the Senate to highlight the critical need for the U.S. to fund the CHIPS Act. I continue to encourage Congress to fund this critical legislation and enable us to move faster towards making a balanced semiconductor supply chain a reality. Turning now to Intel, we continue to make great progress on our plans to deliver five process nodes in four years. Intel 7 is ramping extremely well with Alder Lake, and on Intel 4, Meteor Lake has now successfully booted Windows, Chrome, and Linux. The speed at which the team was able to achieve this milestone is a significant sign of the health of both Meteor Lake and our Intel 4 process technology. We plan to deliver several additional milestones in 2022, demonstrating our process technology development remains on track. This includes early Sierra FARS pre-production wafers on Intel 3, IP test wafers on Intel 20A, and foundry customer test chips and initial IP shovels on Intel 18A. Simply put, we remain on, and in some places, ahead of schedule to deliver five nodes in four years. Our manufacturing network continues to perform well in a challenging environment. For the first time in years, Intel fads and our substrate supply are close to meeting our customers' demand. Using our IDM advantage, the team was able to remix almost 3 million units within lead time to meet changing demand signals. For example, we were able to partner with Meta to improve their Xeon supply and meet their needs. Finally, our supply chain resilience showed as our teams worked tirelessly to mitigate any significant disruptions to our factory operations from the war in Ukraine, supplier shutdowns, and COVID lockdowns in China. Turning to our business groups, at our investor day, we laid out our long-term growth strategy centered around six distinct but highly complementary business units a structure that provides investment flexibility, increased market resilience, and enhanced transparency for investors. And in fact, we will report our results in this structure for the first time today. Our client group continues to deliver world-class platforms, positioning us to win share, grow ASP, and win share of market. There is broad ecosystem agreement that the long-term PC market is sustainably larger going forward, driven by PC density, refresh rates, and increased penetration as the PC remains the essential tool for work, learn, and play. We are seeing particular strength in gaming and in commercial PCs that is somewhat tempered by slower consumer, inflationary pressure, and customer inventory management, which Dave will talk more to later. Our 12th gen Alder Lake family continues to ramp in Q1, and we have already shipped more than 15 million units. This family now has more than 250 designs planned this year from Acer, Asus, Dell, HP, Lenovo, LG, Samsung, and others. And it includes the world's fastest desktop processor, the Core i9-1200KS. Alder Lake will scale across every segment, including for businesses of all sizes, with the launch of our latest vPro platform. vPro offers industry-leading manageability and security for business, including the first and only hardware-based ransomware detector with Intel threat detection. The strength of our client roadmap continues with Raptor Lake, where we are shipping both desktop and mobile samples to our customers today, and we plan to follow that with Meteor Lake in 2023. In data center, DCAI had strong year-on-year growth as customers continue to choose Intel and as we continue to deliver increasing value and innovation. We are seeing strength in both hyperscaler and enterprise, and we expect the market to grow double digits going forward driven by workloads like AI and security. Here, too, we are seeing ecosystem supply constraints, particularly in Ethernet. 
that have limited end-system shipments, which we expect to be a headwind through the year. Our third-generation Intel scalable processor, IceLake, has now shipped almost 4 million units, and Amazon Web Services recently announced general availability of its EC2 i4i instance designed for storage and I.O. intensive workloads. This is the 48th AWS instance powered by IceLake. I am also pleased to say that as committed, we began shipping initial SKUs of our fourth-gen Intel Xeon scalable processor, Sapphire Rapids, to select customers in Q1. These are the first of many SKUs for Sapphire Rapids, with more due to ramp throughout the remainder of the year. We also unveiled our expanded dual-track Xeon roadmap using performance and efficient cores delivered in a common platform maximizing customer investments and on the cadence they prefer. Our first-generation e-core Xeon will be Sierra Forest, which is designed to maximize performance per watt, providing high-density, ultra-efficient compute for the cloud. For workloads that benefit from high performance per core and low latency like AI, we have our redefined Granite Rapids on Intel 3 with a new and improved P-Core. The strength of Intel Agilex and Stratix 10 FPGAs generated record revenue as we continue to win designs and ramp into key markets. Intel FPGA-based IPUs are deployed in volume at five of the top six cloud service providers, and we continue to win designs with comm service providers utilizing Intel's latest generation FPGAs and EASICs. Our launch of the Havana Gaudi-based AWS EC2 DL1 instance has shown end customers how they can reduce training costs by as much as 40% versus GPU-based instances. One of the early customers, Mobileye, is now using DL1 for training their object detection models. Gaudi 2 is already sampling the customers and demonstrating leadership performance versus competitive GPUs on multiple workloads. Finally, we continue to build our extensive data center software capabilities and recently announced the acquisition of Granulate. Granulate is a SaaS service that improves performance and cloud costs with its autonomous dynamic optimization service to unmodified customer workloads. The network and edge market continues to be strong with the transformation from proprietary fixed function devices to fully programmable software-defined infrastructure. Our network and edge group is uniquely positioned to capitalize on this transition and had record revenue in Q1. At Mobile World Congress, NEX launched our newest Xeon D processor. Built specifically for software-defined infrastructure across the network and edge, our latest Xeon D has more than 70 leading companies working on designs, including Cisco, Juniper Networks, and Rakuten Symphony. We believe that in the network, ORAN and VRAN have reached a tipping point as the preferred model of all future network deployments. Nearly all commercial deployments running today are using Xeon and our FlexRAN software. We have more than 10 engagements with major global operators that we expect to be in high-volume commercial deployment within the next two years. We also launched a new version of our OpenVINO software toolkit with downloads growing 70% year-over-year. Built on the foundation of one API, OpenVINO has enabled hundreds of thousands of developers to dramatically accelerate performance on rapidly growing AI workloads at the edge, including ZBlock Computational, who is using OpenVINO to deliver their AI microcloud solution to cities everywhere. Going forward, the scale-out of 5G, the explosion of AI inferencing, and the growth of low-latency workloads will further drive the need for compute at the edge. They will eventually begin to shift compute from the cloud, making the edge the next wave of semiconductor growth. With a broad portfolio of hardware, software, and deep ecosystem partnerships, NEX remains positioned to lead the transformation across the network and to win the edge. Moving to our emerging businesses, our accelerated computing systems and graphics group builds on our installed base of CPUs, IP, and software, and leverages a thriving open ecosystem to disrupt a large and growing market. In Q1, AXG had strong growth and celebrated a major milestone with the official launch of the Intel Arc A-Series portfolio for laptops. Alchemist, the first of these products, has been shipping to customers since early Q1 with designs from Acer, Asus, Dell, HP, Lenovo, Samsung, and others. 
the A-series enables up to a two times performance improvement in graphics versus integrated graphics and incorporates Intel DeepLink technology, which utilizes Intel integrated graphics to increase application performance by up to 30%. The first laptops with Intel ARC3 GPUs are available now. These will be followed by even more powerful designs with Intel ARC5 and Intel ARC7, along with desktop and workstation offerings later this year. In the data center, our flagship Pontevecchio GPU for high-performance computing and AI is sampling the customers. Pontevecchio, along with Sapphire Rapids with high-bandwidth memory, will power the 2-exaflop Aurora supercomputer at Argonne National Laboratory. In addition, Arctic Sound, our general-purpose data center GPU designed for industry-leading media graphics and AI inference capabilities, will be available in the second half of the year. Finally, in Q1, we announced our intent to contribute to the development of blockchain technologies. Intel will help advance this technology in a responsible and sustainable way by developing energy-efficient computing technologies at scale. BlockScale, our first blockchain accelerator, is sampling today and will ship in production later this year. AXG remains on track to deliver over $1 billion in revenue this year. Our Intel Foundry services hit a $1 billion run rate for the first time as we continue to make progress towards being the trusted provider of Foundry services. Our overall customer pipeline remains robust, and we now have more than 10 qualified opportunities in advanced stages of engagement across our process and package offerings that collectively represent a deal value of greater than $5 billion. We have over 30 test chips committed to Intel 16 this year, and we expect the first Intel 3 and Intel 18A customer test chips to tape out in the second half of 2022. Our work with our five target anchor customers is progressing well. We expect additional updates later this year. Finally, we have seen tremendous enthusiasm from customers for our acquisition of Tower. Tower shareholders recently approved the proposed acquisition. We have completed regulatory review in two jurisdictions outside the U.S. and hope to close the transaction as soon as possible. Building on its market leadership in ADAS and AV solutions, Mobileye advanced system launches have continued, including the next-generation BMW 7 Series with a leading-edge combination of IQ5 and an 8-megapixel camera, as well as BMW Highway Assistant, which enables hands-free driving on separated roadways up to 80 miles per hour. We also added Miami and Stuttgart to our global AV testing program, bringing the total number of places where we have tested AVs to 10 cities in six countries across three continents. Additionally, we recently showcased Mobilize Level 4 self-driving system in action for the first time with a robo-taxi navigating the streets of Jerusalem. Mobileye expects to launch its commercial robo-taxi services in Munich and Tel Aviv by the end of 2022. Finally, we remain committed to unlocking shareholder value and are working on our plans to take Mobileye public in 2022. In March, we announced that we confidentially submitted a draft registration statement with the SEC. The IPO is proceeding smoothly, and we continue to make good progress as we work with the SEC to refine our Form S1. Before turning it over to Dave, I wanted to close with a few thoughts. First, I look forward to hosting our customers, partners, and analysts at our Intel Vision event in Dallas on May 10th and 11th. This will be our second Intel On Series event dedicated to the future of business and technology. Next, as I said at our Investor Day, we believe we have a tremendous growth story over the next several years. We're investing in innovation and embracing an open approach to compute platforms and manufacturing. We continue to add to our incredible pool of technical talent. And of course, we remain intensely focused on rebuilding our execution machine. Finally, we'll continue to highlight our progress on key operational milestones as we manage within the financial framework we laid out in February. I know I speak for over 120,000 Intel employees when I say that while we have work to do, our best days are ahead. With that, let me turn it over to Dave. Thanks, Pat, and good afternoon, everyone. Q1 was a solid quarter, exceeding revenue, gross margin percentage, and EPS guidance, despite continued ecosystem supply chain constraints, inflationary pressures, and macroeconomic uncertainty. Three of our six newly formed business segments, NEX, 
Mobileye, and IFS achieved record quarterly revenue. Revenue was $18.4 billion, slightly exceeding our guidance led primarily by broad-based strength in our NEX business. Gross margin for the quarter was 53%, exceeding our guidance by 100 basis points on improved manufacturing yields and lower factory costs. EPS was $0.87, $0.07 above our guide on higher gross profit and slightly lower operating expenses. Operational cash flow for the quarter was $5.9 billion, and we received an additional $4.6 billion from the McAfee equity sale. Total cash and investments increased by $9.7 billion in the quarter to $39 billion, driven by the NAND divestiture and McAfee sale. CapEx for the quarter was $4.6 billion. Now turning to our newly formed business unit results. CCG revenue was $9.3 billion, down 13% year-over-year on ramp-down of the Apple CPU and modem business, the expected OEM inventory burn we cited in our Q4 call, as well as lower consumer and education demand. CPU ASPs were up greater than 25% year-over-year on richer mix and strong demand for our high-end mobile and desktop products across both our commercial and consumer segments. Operating profit was down 34% year-over-year on lower revenue, increased 10 nanometer and Intel 7 mix, and increased spending to further strengthen our product and platform roadmap. DCAI revenue was $6 billion, up 22% year-over-year on strong Xeon demand from both our hyperscale and enterprise customers. DCAI operating profit was flat year-over-year as increased revenue was offset by increased 10 nanometer NICs, factory startup charges, and increased investment in our technology and product roadmap. NEX achieved all-time record quarterly revenue of $2.2 billion, up 23% year-over-year on broad-based strength across the cloud, networking, and edge product lines. Operating profit was $366 million, up 51% year-over-year on higher revenue offset by increased investment. Mobileye achieved all-time record quarterly revenue of $394 million, up 11% sequentially and 5% in comparison to Q121, which saw exceptionally strong auto production and pipeline rebuilding due to COVID-related recovery last year. Operating profit was $148 million, down 13% year-over-year on increased investment in next-generation products. AXG revenue was $219 million, up 21% year-over-year on the ramp of its supercompute and Alchemist discrete TPU products. Operating loss was $390 million versus an operating loss of $176 million in Q121, with the increase driven by new product qualification reserves on our Alchemist and Arctic Sound products, production ramp charges, and increased investment. IFS revenue was $283 million, up 175% year-over-year on increased IMS tool shipments, increased automotive demand, and initial revenue from Amazon and Cisco. Operating loss was $31 million, roughly flat year-over-year, as revenue and gross margin increases were offset by increased investment to build out the custom foundry business. Moving to our full year and Q2 guidance. As Pat mentioned earlier, we continue to see strong end-user demand for our products across each of our business units and we reaffirm our revenue guidance of $76 billion as lower than previously expected PC revenue is offset by NEX growth and DCAI hyperscale customer strength. More specifically, in our PC business, we continue to see strong commercial demand offset by low-end consumer and education softness and the impact of no longer shipping to customers in Russia and Belarus. Further, component supply constraints continue to be a challenge with the most recent COVID lockdowns in Shanghai further increasing supply chain risk and contributing to inflationary pressures that are having a negative impact on PC TAM for the year. As a result, we're seeing OEMs continue to lower inventory levels to better match demand and align with other system components. We expect elements of this inventory burn to continue in Q2, subsiding in the second half of the year. Although these headwinds have reduced our CCG revenue forecast, 
We expect CCG revenue to increase in the second half of the year as a return to normal seasonality boosts demand, OEM inventory burn subsides, and the ramp of our leadership, Alder Lake and Raptor Lake products position us to compete for share. For DCAI, we also expect to see a stronger second half of the year as hyperscale customer demand remains robust, component supply improves, and the ramp of Ice Lake and Sapphire Rapids increase competitiveness. For NEX, we expect the strength we saw in Q1 to continue with growth throughout the year, fueled by improving component supply, continued 5G ramp, and transformation at the edge. For AXG, we continue to expect full-year revenue greater than $1 billion, driven by the launch and ramp of the Alchemist, Arctic Sound M, Ponte Vecchio, and block scale products. Finally, we expect to see second-half growth in each of our two remaining businesses, Mobileye and IFS, as they ramp new products and secure new customers. For gross margin, we're guiding 52%, in line with the 51 to 53% range previously communicated. Note that the inflationary environment creates a headwind that we are continuing to monitor, but we remain confident in our ability to mitigate the impact through continued cost reduction programs, as well as increased pricing in certain segments of the business. For EPS, we're guiding $3.60, 10 cents higher than prior guide on the Q1 beat and a slightly improved tax rate of 12%. Finally, net CapEx guidance of $27 billion and moderately negative adjusted free cash flow for the year remain unchanged. We have made significant progress on our smart capital initiatives and will continue to manage within the framework communicated at Investor Day. Moving to Q2 guidance. For revenue, we're guiding $18 billion, down 2% sequentially on the short-term headwinds detailed earlier and the impact of an additional 14th week in Q1. For the lockdowns in Shanghai, we're estimating the impact to be relatively contained under the assumption that these restrictions are nearing an end. Even under a short lockdown, we anticipate it will take some time for the supply chain to normalize, and if the lockdowns persist or spread beyond Shanghai, we could see more material impacts to our outlook. For gross margin, we're guiding 51%, down approximately 200 basis points sequentially on increased 10 nanometer and Intel 7 mix and Raptor Lake pre-qualification reserves. We had always expected Q2 gross margin to be at the low end of our range, and with our full-year guide of 52%, we expect gross margin to inflect upward in the second half of the year as revenue increases and inventory reserves sell through. Finally, we're guiding a tax rate of 12% and EPS of $0.70, cents, down $0.17 cents sequentially on lower gross profit and higher OPEX. With that, let me turn it back over to Tony and get to your questions. All right, thank you, Dave. Moving on now to the Q&A, as is our normal practice, we would ask that each participant ask just one question. Operator, please go ahead and introduce our first caller. Thank you. And our first question coming from the lineup, Ross Seymour with Deutsche Bank. Your line is open. Hi, guys. Thanks for letting me ask a question. Pat, I just wanted to get a little bit more color on the inventory dynamic you're talking about. You know, your inventory is up internally, but you're talking about some of the inabilities to ship uh, with match sets, et cetera, going forward. So can you get, just give a little more color on where the specific Intel inventory is versus a, a more generic inventory and shortage problem, specifically in the PC side of your business, it seems? Yeah, thank you, Ross. And, you know, I'll just start out by saying again, you know, I'm really pleased with the execution of our team and, you know, what had plenty of turbulence in uh, Q1 uh, and uh, to meet uh, meet and beat in Q1 was really spectacular. Now, on the inventory piece, we did talk about uh, that we are building 10 nanometer inventory. We have new products, you know, that we're ramping into the marketplace. Uh, you know, and we do see some of those will be reversals as we go into the uh, latter part of the year as that inventory will start flowing uh, through the product area. So we would say this is very typical, you know, management of new product ramps and uh, specifically around Sapphire Rapids, Alder Lake. We'll start seeing Raptor Lake as well. So those, uh, those will be the key areas that you'll see that inventory shift occurring. 
You know, also, you know, as we've indicated, we did see our customers' inventory burn down in Q1. We expect some of that to be in Q2 as well, but by the second half, we expect those adjustments, and obviously the strength of second half uh, outlook, we do expect much of that uh, inventory burn to have finished in the first half and a strong second half as we're ramping our new products that will have uh, much better performance uh, feature, some of that with higher costs, but also coming with higher ASPs. Thank you. Thanks, Ross. Our next question coming from the line of CJ Muse with Evercore SI. Your line is open. Operator, why don't you go to the next caller? We can just come back to CJ later. Our next question coming from the line of Stacey Raskin with Bernstein Research. Your line is open. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I know you held the full year, but, I mean, the, the, the first half is kind of coming in lower, so it does kind of imply that you're taking the second half probably up versus the prior expectations. But in that light, obviously, we've got PCs that maybe look like they're at risk. You talked about China shutdowns that if they last longer, that could bring risk. You talked about um, issues, I guess, with server builds at your customers that you said would persist. I guess... What gives you the confidence that things actually will be inflecting? And it looks like you're you're looking for kind of a hockey stick across all of your businesses in the second after first. Like like how do investors get confidence that that's actually the way things are going to be playing out and that you've built enough conservatism in the guide? So I I, I guess long story short, I ask you why why hold the annual guide like in the wake of all of that? Yeah, thank you, Stacy. And uh, clearly, you know, we overachieved in Q1. Right, Q2, we were, you know, it's a little bit lighter, right, given some of those we've taken it down uh, a bit, uh, given some of those uh, uh, factors, but not substantially. You know, this is uh, very in line with what we expected. We were always forecasting a stronger second half uh, of the year, and uh, that's what gives us confidence. We had built into our year guide, you know, some room, right, for things to happen. You know, like any good company would, we build some uh, expectations that I didn't that not everything goes right, you know, and that's why we're very confident in reaffirming our overall yearly revenue uh, guidance. Now let's tease apart some of the factors that give us that confidence. You know, first we say, hey, we see strong uh, growth in our DCAI business. We see strong growth in our NEX business. You know, and particularly those areas, you know, those are long lead time businesses with our customers. We have strong views of the business uh, expectations that we have. We do see strength in the enterprise and governance business. First half to second half, you'll always see the normal cyclicality of the uh, client business, and particularly in the second half, we're going into a much stronger product line with Alder Lake and Raptor Lake and the reversal of inventories you know, for Raptor Lake and Sapphire Rapids starting to hit uh, there as well, which will be you know, very nice to improve both operating mar- your gross margins as well as the uh, revenue outlook. And then, right, we have an extraordinary set of products that were coming in the second half of the year. When you think about AXG, you know, we have all of the discrete products uh, ramping in addition to the mobile ones that we launched in Q1. We have our new GPU products with Arctic Sound. We have Pontevecchio ramping. We also have our blockchain products ramping. We have the new Xeons in the NEX ramping. IFS is ramping. We see strength in our mobile uh, business. So all of these give us confidence at the second half. And this is very consistent with the outlook that we gave in our investor day. We were always expecting this to be the characteristic of first half and second half. And obviously, a small beats in Q1, you know, uh, a little bit of weakness in Q2 that we've accounted for these disruptions and strength in second half. We are on track to do exactly what we said at the investor day, and we're building momentum to accomplish exactly that with the great execution that we saw in the first quarter around products, around manufacturing, around dealing with supply chain challenges. You know, this machine is building momentum. We're confident in our second half outlook. Okay, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Next question. All right. Our next question coming from the line of CJ Muse with Avacor. Your line is open. Hey, apologies uh, uh, for the confusion earlier. Um, thank you for taking the question. Um, I guess given given the change in, in segments, um, would love to try to, uh, you know, set the stage here for what expectations should look like for, for the big three, CCG, DCAI, and NEX, uh, into Q2 and then, 
for all of 2022, if there's any way you can kind of help, um, you know, plus or minus to the relative growth rates that uh, that you're uh, guiding to for, for, for both June and, and the full year. Yeah, and, you know, thanks, uh, CJ. Uh, you know, and overall, you know, this is the first quarter we're uh, giving, you know, clear updates against the six business units. You know, clearly that means, uh, you know, things like DCAI, you know, we're pulling out the NEX business uh, from uh, what might have been counted for before as part of data center. And we're giving clear, you know, clear uh, views of how those businesses are performing respectively. Overall, what we said in the client business, we'll see the seasonality plus a bit in uh, the uh, client uh, business because of the strength of the product line. In DCAI, we see growth uh, through the uh, second half of the year, and we had strong year-on-year growth in the data center and AI uh, business in uh, Q1. And NEX, we expect that we're growing faster than the market. You know, this is a good business uh, for us. We're uniquely well-positioned, and we see the strength of the network and edge being an area of particular growth. You know, and we were well over 20% growth rate in that business in Q1. So, well, I don't think we'll see those kind of growth rates for the rest of the year, but a very strong growth business. But I'd also highlight, you know, that we are seeing, uh, you know, the growth businesses, IFS, AXG, and Mobileye, you know, being very strong growers for us, and they'll start contributing more meaningfully as we go into the second half of the year, which is a little bit of the answer to Stacy's question before. You know, solid growth across uh, all of the business areas of the uh, company, and we're starting to start seeing these new areas contribute in meaningful ways. So overall, affirming the second half of the year, seeing uh, strength in all of the business areas, the product, the execution, all of them getting stronger. Next question. Our next question coming from the line of Frey Frater with New Street Research. The line is open. Uh, hi, thanks for uh, taking my question. Uh, I'd like to focus on the, on the 10 nanometer node and Intel 7. Uh, and maybe um, for you, Dave, first, uh, you mentioned 100 basis points uh, driven by improved yields. It's like uh, um, really music to my ears, as you can imagine. And I'd love to, to hear a bit more. You know, um, uh, visibly this came as, as a surprise. So, so what's happening there? And could, could we hope for like continued improved uh, Yields on uh, on Intel 7, uh, you know, driving some positive surprise on uh, uh, on the growth margin, or should we assume that this node has a very very little room to um, to improve? And, and maybe for Pat on the same topic, Intel 7. I don't know if it's if it reflects reality, but there is a lot of noise in the market about products ramping slowly. We see the cadence at which Sapphire Rapid is ramping. It feels a bit slow, a bit difficult. So my question in all candor is, do, do these nodes, 10 nanometer and Intel 7, make it difficult to get into the market with products? Is that slowing the pace at which Intel can execute on the velocity of the roadmap? And should we expect things to go much, much faster uh, when you move to Intel 4 and Intel 3? Thanks, Ed. So I'll start, and then I'll ask Dave to jump in. So, you know, overall, you know, as we said, our five nodes in four years, we're performing well. You know, Intel 7 is ramping more rapidly than we would have expected. Uh, Intel 4, we updated that we have a Meteor Lake now powered on, which is our first product on Intel 4. Uh, Intel 3, we'll see the uh, test wafers on that with our uh, leadership products with Sierra Forest. In fact, just today we taped out uh, our first Granite Rapids uh, compute die uh, as well. We'll have the test uh, wafers on 20A and 18A, which we expect to be a big foundry node as well. So I'll say overall the technology pipeline is doing tremendously well and uh, really proud of our teams there. Intel 10, you know, it's ramping very well. We're seeing good yields on uh, that, you know, as uh, Dave reflected, which overall gives us uh, good momentum. In terms of products, Alder Lake has been a star, and it's ramping comfortably ahead of our expectations there, you know, which has reaffirmed the health of uh, Intel 7. Sapphire Rapids that you called out, you know, was uh, first PRQs this quarter, and many of the additional SKUs, PRQ and Q2 in the second half of the year, and that's why you might be getting some of that views of the uh, more muted ramp there, you know, but we delivered on exactly what we said, first quarter uh, PRQs of Sapphire Rapids, and we'll see strength in that as we go through the uh, rest of the year. You know, also Ice Lake has ramped very nicely now, 
10-nanometer server part. So overall, the technology and the manufacturing machine are performing quite well and uh, really bode well for our outlook for this year and uh, the years to come. So, Dave, as you might add. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we, we had a good quarter in the first quarter in terms of yields. Um, we are going to see a little bit of pressure on 10 nanometer in the second quarter. That's part of the reason we're, we're seeing margins down to 50, the low end of our of our stated range of 51%. But we do expect 10 nanometer to become a tailwind for us as costs improve through the back half of the year. And, uh, you know, although Intel 7 is, you know, behind that, um, we're expecting the same from Intel 7. Thank you. Next question. Our next question coming from the line of Joseph Moore with Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Great. Thank you for letting me ask the question. Um, Dave, I think I heard you say CPU ASPs and client were up 25% year over year. Um, it's a pretty big number. Is that How much of that is, if I heard that right, how much of that is mix shift um, away from things like Chromebooks? How much of that is success with new products like Alder Lake? Can you just give us a little bit more color on, on the delta there? I mean, a lot of it is obviously mixed, either shifting away from consumer education um, and, uh, you know, newer product ramps. But as I said in the prepared remarks, you know, given the inflationary environment, we are looking for targeted uh, price increases in certain segments. Um, so that really hasn't shown up that much yet, but will be part of the story uh, going forward through the year. Yeah, and I'll just say overall, you know, the, the product line is uh, healthy. Um, we're seeing, uh, you know, the mix shifts as we move to uh, Alder Lake, Raptor Lake being very strong, Ice Lake uh, as well. We'll start to see Sapphire Rapids uh, factor into that in the second half of the year. So overall, we're coming into a stronger product cycle, uh, Joe, right, which just gives us uh, more opportunity to, right, to deliver higher value to customers, you know, remix the products to higher price points, but overall just have a more competitive product line as we uh, go compete for market share as well. Our next question coming from the line of Harlan Sur with J.P. Morgan. Line is open. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question. Um, on accelerated computing graphics, the uh, client discrete GPU market is a pretty big market opportunity for Intel, right? $12, $13 billion per year. So it looks like you guys uh, started ramping your ARC GPU into notebooks now, your first-gen product. The reviews look quite constructive. Is the team still on track to roll out desktop versions this quarter and still on track to ship 4 million-plus discrete GPUs this year? And then any feedback from customers or uh, gaming developers would be helpful as well. Yeah, thank you, Harlan. And overall, AXG is on track. Um, and, uh, you know, we launched the uh, mobile SKUs. Uh, we'll have the desktop SKUs coming in Q2, and we'll have more SKUs as we go through the year as well. We'll be filling out the uh, product line. You know, a lot of work, right, in qualifying games. And if you're, you know, a, a gamer, you know that there's just a lot of individual optimization work on some of the key titles, so that work is uh, underway. You know, working with our OEMs to populate uh, their portfolios of products as well. So I'll say, you know, you're going to see more and more of that uh, hitting the market, and we'll be filling out, you know, we have the, you know, the three versions. We'll have the five, seven, and nine versions of the uh, products coming out as we uh, go build up that portfolio this year. You know, and also, as I uh, uh, allude to, AXG just has a boatload of products that is coming out across different segments, our high-performance computing products, our GPU products for data center, our blockchain products. So in addition to the discrete graphics products, we have just a lot of products coming out of it. So overall, it's on track, you know, for the volume goals as well as uh, for hitting the billion-dollar revenue goal that we set at uh, Investor Day as we go build, as we said, over the five-year horizon to a $10-plus billion business. We see this as a great opportunity for us. And we have some uh, unfair advantages with technologies like DeepLink, where we really get to build on the strong, robust install base that we have, the you know, many years of software work that we've built into the foundations of the PC platform. So these are reasons that uh, we do think that uh, we have a great opportunity to build a major new business uh, for us and one that, uh, you know, we're coming from a very small place into a very large market, a great growth opportunity for Intel that we're executing on aggressively. 
Now, next question coming from the line of Vivek Arya with Bank of America. Your line is open. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, so, the Q1 CapEx was about uh, $4.6 billion, uh, suggests a very uh, big ramp in the back half to get to your $27 billion net CapEx uh, target. Uh, you know, we are hearing of a lot of constraints on equipment supply. I was hoping, uh, Pat or Dave, if you could give us some color on the availability of tools and, and if there are any implications on your full-year sales outlook um, because of the availability of uh, tools. Thank you. Yeah, I'll start that with that, that one, and then, Dave, you can add. You know, overall, uh, you know, CapEx is lumpy uh, as we go through the year, and uh, as such, you know, we think overall that we'll still be on track to the overall CapEx target that we laid out. We are working very aggressively with the equipment companies, and we have deep, strong, long-term relationships there. Uh, and clearly some of the 23 and 24 uh, equipment goals are ones that we're working on aggressively right now, but we do feel comfortable that we have the supply chains lined up you know, to meet our equipment objectives and, really importantly, to meet the cap, uh, the uh, factory ramp cycles that uh, we've laid out for the marketplaces. We're opening up the new factories like we just announced our uh, Oregon FAB coming online. We have the next you know, we're starting to take equipment uh, now into our Ireland. Uh, we'll soon be doing that for our Israel uh, FAB uh, ramp. You know, we'll be, you know, uh, uh, groundbreaking on Ohio later this year. We'll be talking more about the German FAB. So one by one, we're just executing on an aggressive build-out of our uh, capital uh, network and really quite pleased with the relationship that we have with the equipment companies to make that possible. You know, that said, you know, there definitely is some pressure on the equipment supply chain. We're also working closely with the equipment vendors. You know, many of them use Intel FPGAs. So we're working closely to make sure that we prioritize that piece of the demand uh, to uh, support them in that requirement. Dave, anything else you'd add? Yeah, I would just add that, um, you know, we did expect this quarter to be a bit lower than the than the, than the quarterly average for the year to get to the $27 billion. So it's not a complete surprise, although it was lumpy, as you said, and, um, you know, did come in a little bit lighter. Um, but we feel good. I would say the other thing is that, you know, when you look at it, I think we feel confident about the $28 billion growth capex. Um, the $27 billion net capex obviously assumes a billion dollars of capital offsets, and I'd say the early read, of course, we're still early in the year, but looks quite good. So, you know, there's potential we could actually do a bit better on the, on the offset side so that the net capex could potentially be a little bit And the next question coming from the line of Matt Ramsey with Cohen. Yolanda Sultan. Um, thank you very much. Good afternoon, guys. Um, I wanted to ask a couple questions on, on the DCAI segment. Um, the revenue, I guess, went from five to six billion um, from from last year, and, and you have operating margin down, I guess, seven points. And um, I guess it's no surprise after some of the disclosures that we had um, last year, but it, maybe you could tease that apart a little bit. Um, mix between enterprise and, and cloud, were there big changes there? And I guess the, the real question, Pat, is what what gets that margin moving in the right direction? Is, is it the move to Sapphire where you have uh, multi-die products that might yield better? Is it um, revenue growth? I, I'm just trying to understand the drivers to, to, to re- turn around the operating margin in that segment as we go forward. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks, and I'll start on that one. Um, you know, overall, you know, the uh, DCAI you know, performed a little bit better than we expected for Q1. So I say overall, this is what we expected. You know, the uh, biggest factor on margins was the uh, you know uh, ramp of the 10 nanometer uh, product line and the costs associated with that. So that was the biggest factor associated with it. You know, as we're looking at that, you know, there also was, I'll say, relative strength in the cloud piece of that business, the hyperscalers, and the enterprise uh, piece of the business was a little bit more constrained by uh, match sets. So we did see a little bit of that effect uh, in Q1. As we go through the uh, rest of the year, we, we do see uh, good outlooks on both the hyperscaler as well as on the enterprise and government side. We're working aggressively to solve the match set problems. You know, so we are hopeful that we'll be even able to do a bit better uh, in that area if we are able to address some of the shortages that we've seen in areas like uh, Ethernet. Obviously, as we go into the second half of the year, the product line gets stronger. 
as we see Sapphire uh, Rapids ramp. We'll be launching products like Sapphire Rapids HBM in the HPC segment. We'll be ramping Ice Lake uh, more aggressively with higher volumes as we go into the second half of the year. So all of those start moving the product line in the right direction and margins commensurately with it. You know, we also have gotten great response you know, for the longer-term view of our segmented roadmap. And as we've laid out, we'll have both the efficient uh, cores as well as the performance cores, which better satisfy the market requirements. And I believe that will be a factor of better pricing as better as well as better margins over time because you're not trying to stretch one product across really two distinct segments of the marketplace and really having highly optimized products for both the hyperscaler as well as the broader enterprise requirements. So overall, you know, we think that the strategy that we've laid out, we've gotten great response from our customers for it, and as I already indicated, we're executing, as we said, Sapphire Rapids uh, first uh, PRQs uh, this quarter, many more as we go through the rest of the year, and we'll be ramping that uh, aggressively and uh, seeing a good response from the customers. And I also say, particularly with Sapphire Rapids, Every hyperscaler, every OEM has many SKUs lined up for this. You know, this product will be extremely well-respected, accepted, and broadly deployed in the marketplace this year. Dave, anything else you would add? I would just add, um, you know, we set out a goal in the investor day for the company to have gross margins of 54 to 58% and call it roughly 30% operating margins. I think when we start to see... um, you know, the, the fruits of the investments we're making, both in terms of uh, process technology that's, you know, um, weighing down on the, the COGS and the investments we're making in operating expense to build out the product portfolio and get to leadership. Um, those things will start to, you know, show strong scale on the top line side. And so I would, I would bet this business is accretive to our overall corporate average. Next question. Coming, Next question. Next question coming from Lena Timoteriker with UBS. Your line is open. Hi, thanks. Um, I had two. I guess um, I guess the first question is, uh, you know, TSMC is kind of pushing out the timing of the high volume three, you know, nanometer EUV, and I guess the first question is sort of how that impacts your GPU and your CPU roadmap. Um, and then I had a. Um, uh, you know, follow up where really, Dave, I wanted to ask you on uh, how you're going to account for subsidies. Are you going to account for those kind of in a contra account um, so that as depreciation ramps, you can offset some of that with that, you know, contra account coming from subsidies? Thanks. Yeah, and on the first part of it, you know, clearly, you know, the implications of foundry timing is something we have to work very carefully. And uh, there it's not just a question of, the timing of a node, it's also the capacity of nodes. And uh, with some of those changes that have been reported in the industry, we're just working through that with our uh, you know, product teams to make sure that we're aligning well to the availability of the foundry technologies. But I would say that our IDM model just gives us fundamentally an advantage business model here where given the majority of our volumes are internal, we're able to balance between what we use externally for wafers and what we use internally for wafers, and thus we're able to do a much better job satisfying uh, our customers and having a more competitive product line. I'd also again uh, add, Tim, that uh, you know our execution of our five nodes in four years on our head of schedule across it, you know, this just reinforces the competitiveness that we've uh, described, where we do see ourselves uh, coming back to a position of unquestioned process technology leadership, and we're building out the manufacturing capacity at scale to deliver that to our customers. So IDM 2.0 well leveraging the foundries, but even more importantly, building leadership technologies with that scale manufacturing to deliver the most robust product line in the industry. So, Dave? Yeah, sure. So, um, it somewhat depends, Tim, on the, uh, which capital offset you're talking about. It, the grants um, are usually aligned with a certain set of assets, and so they are contra, and they get depreciated over the same life cycle as the asset. Um, things like... Uh, that we talked about is a bit more of a financing arrangement. So it doesn't necessarily have an impact on the P&L, but it will be uh, shown on the capital statement as a capital offset, um, like a partner contribution. So it will reduce our, you know, the cash flow burn we have. Um, prepays are handled more or less like, um, you know, they show up as an asset on the balance sheet and 
as you ship products, um, you reduce that that uh, that account. So it's somewhat dependent on which one we're talking about. But the one I think you're talking about is the, gov- the government incentives. And yes, you're right. They're they're uh, contra accounts. They're in a contra account. Our next question coming from the line of Chris and Gara with Barrett. The line is open. Hi, good afternoon. Um, how should we look at um, your discrete GPU platform in terms of expanding that beyond just consumer? And if you could talk about the, the software ecosystem that you might be building around it to, to encourage adoption. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you know, the answer is yes. You know, we're going to be delivering, you know, the uh, GPU products, you know, first for mobile, as we said, you know, next for desktop. You know, we'll be game-centric uh, as we're bringing them out of the marketplace, but we're also going to have a full lineup, and we see actually some very unique advantages as we think about uh, media, you know, some of the professional developers where we're already demonstrating, you know, radically uh, advantaged positions like on some of the uh, advanced uh, graphics and uh, media artist uh, product lines. So these will be areas of strength particularly when we bring our Arctic Sound product into the marketplace uh, later this year. You know, this will be well optimized for GPU environments and particularly will be strong in areas like encoding and media processing uh, as well. That, uh, you know, if you think about clouds, you can certainly think about AI and, you know, training workloads, but many clouds are actually spending far more time on transcoding and media operations. So that will be an area of unique strength of our Arctic Sound product line. So, in, you know, as you think about that uh, taken together, you know, we'll be competing in the integrated graphics, the discrete graphics, the GPU business, you know, the high-performance computing business. We'll really be leveraging that technology across the entire space uh, of the market. And that's part of the reason that we're uh, very encouraged by our ability to ramp this into a very significant uh, business for uh, Intel and one where we have a, a lot of advantages to build upon. Okay, uh, last question. Now, last question coming from Delana Sreeni Pajer with SNBC. Delana Sopin. Thank you, and thanks for squeezing me in. Uh, Pat, I want to go back to the Sapphire Rapids ramp. Um, can you talk about how the ecosystem is coming together, given that this is a new platform, especially in DDR5 and PCIe 5.0, et cetera? Um, my, my question, real question is, I, I just want to understand what your expectation for the ramp is versus the previous generations. Do you think this is going to be a faster ramp versus Ice Lake, or is this going to be a slower ramp? And also, when do you expect uh, we'll see a public cloud instance based on Sapphire Rapids? Thank you. Yeah, great question, Srini. And, you know, clearly, you know, one of the things that Intel as the market leader, right, the volume leader, it is this ability to ramp key new technologies. And uh, with the Sapphire platform comes DDR5. And, uh, you know, if we were here, you know, if we were talking 90 days ago, hmm, we were fighting through some challenges on DDR5 uh, with the memory suppliers and really working on debugging uh, those interfaces. We now feel very confident uh, that multiple suppliers are now qualified. We're seeing good momentum uh, from the uh, memory partners in this area. They're ramping up their supply chains for the Sapphire uh, platform, right? It's really that uh, one that brings a major new memory uh, technology into the marketplace and really reinforces Intel as the leader in uh, data center and server uh, market. You know, overall, we're modeling very carefully your exact question about looking at this versus the Ice Lake uh, ramp. And, uh, you know, our objective is to ramp this platform meaningfully faster than we did the Ice Lake uh, platform. We're doing a lot of work for, you know, the software stack, the validation of that, you know, making sure that we've really worked through all of the early sightings that customers would have, you know, driving down the uh, defect rates in the platform that our customers can ramp this at volume. And as I already indicated, we're seeing a tremendous amount of SKUs and instance types across all of the OEMs as well as all of the hyperscalers in the marketplace, and we're looking forward to those being broadly available in the second half of the year. You know, as we, you know, and I think then maybe just wrapping up the call today, you know, we're grateful for all of you joining us, the opportunity to update you on the business. You know, it's great that we start the year with a beat. We are looking at the 
momentum of the execution machine of Intel seeing uh, solid uh, progress. Uh, five nodes in four years, Alder Lake, Sapphire uh, Rapids, Arc Launch, you know, increasing momentum with our customers. You know, we remain true to this building out of a geographically balanced and more resilient supply chain. And there's just lots of good things in flight that gives us uh, confidence not only in Q2, but to reaffirm our guidance uh, for the year. And uh, our leadership team, you know, we're fired up, and we believe that uh, this is the uh, greatest turnaround story in history, and it's my honor as the CEO of this uh, great uh, uh, company to be able to be part of this uh, leadership team. So thank you all for joining us today. All right. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for joining us today. Operator, can you please close the call? Ladies and gentlemen, that's us in our conference for today. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.